welcome to A Passion to Serve. My name is Don Kadicki and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm a big fan of storytelling and during the podcast we'll be sharing real human stories about migrant and seasonal farm workers and the work that's being done on their behalf. For example, do you know about the contributions of migrant and seasonal farm workers to the United States economy and the challenges these farm workers face on a daily basis? What about services for farm worker youth in order to lead them on the path towards self-discovery and self-sufficiency? And what about lessons learned by leaders who have dedicated their lives to serving others through a variety of programs? These stories and so much more will be part of A Passion to Serve. I hope you decide to join us on this path of discovery. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 25 of A Passion to Serve. Today I'm speaking with Rob Anderson, who is the Manager of Government Relations for the Michigan Farm Bureau. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Don. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, really looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have today. We have a lot of different a lot of different things that I'm interested in speaking with you about. But first, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your role with the Michigan Farm Bureau. Yeah, sure. Um, My role, I manage our state government relations for Michigan Farm Bureau. So I have a team of myself and three other individuals who work here in land capital. And our role is really to to, um, implement uh, the, the member policy that gets developed through Farm Bureau's, you know, robust grassroots policy development process. Ironically, right now we're, we're in, the, in the time of year when our, our farmers are gathering at our local level and talking about the things that are important to them, you know, the issues that are, are keeping them up at night in terms of, you know, uh, the challenges that they face in their agriculture operation and, you know, the issues that, that interest them and, and are important to them uh, run the gamut uh, of, of things from, um, from transportation to energy to um, environmental uh, issues, um, you name it. Um, because, you know, like any business, there are things that, that impact them on a daily basis. And so this is their opportunity to talk about those issues and, and tell their organization the things that are important to them. So. My team actually takes those takes those policy directions um, and works with legislators and regulators at the state level, uh, and try and share that perspective with them so that we can you know work together to make sure agriculture is robust and vibrant in the future. Okay, great. So with Telemon Corporation, we're more on the the side of providing services to the migrant and seasonal farm worker population, and. Obviously, with the pandemic, it has created numerous challenges that we've had to address, and, and those challenges are ongoing. And I, I would like you to describe what are some of those key challenges that the growers have been experiencing since the outbreak of the pandemic? Well, that's, that's a great question, and, and I'm, I'm glad that you, that you asked it. This has really been... Um, it's been an issue and a challenge that we've been working on since mid-March when, when this whole, um, you know, sort of pandemic uh, exploded and, and became, um, it became something that we knew uh, in agriculture uh, was going to have, you know, broad impact just because it was, um, changes needed to be made, right? We needed to, we needed to look at a lot of different areas of the agriculture industry from, you know, from on-farm activities to, to the processing, to just, just the whole food chain and, you know, make adaptations and changes to try and make sure that we are 
um, you know, addressing the concerns of, of spread of COVID, but then also, you know, the, the health and safety of our workers and the food supply. So this has really been something that the agriculture industry has dug into uh, well before any regulatory requirements came along. So, um, you know, certainly issues like uh, availability of personal protective equipment was something it was a challenge early on because we knew in many sectors of the agriculture industry that, you know, our, our the close proximity of workers was going to be something that we had to address and we were going to need to make changes. Um, but the medical community was really, you know, the front line in terms of having availability of some of that equipment. So, you know, we worked hard and scrambled to try and, and make sure that that, you know, that area was taken care of. But then also we had that for worker safety and and again, safety of our food supply, wash stations, sanitizer availability, you know, implementing social distancing protocols, you know, in our in our um, in our agriculture uh, settings where we where we have had seasonal workers and migrant workers come and, and be part of that process, you know, early in the um, we knew that that protocols for social distancing and isolation housing and being able to make sure that we take care of workers if they do happen to to get sick and and provide for their needs while while being attentive to you know concerns about spreading the virus were all part of the conversations that happened really from the very beginning and so um, it's been a long road and, and, you know, we continue to work on those on those. And, and again, our goals are are uh, are the same as everyone's. Safe, we want to make sure everyone has has what they need to operate safely and and feel safe in those in those um, activities. And um, uh, again, continuing to to address those challenges and meet those challenges today. Could you provide just a couple of, of examples of boots on the ground kind of activities and actions that local Michigan Farm Bureau representatives have taken to assist their growers in their local communities and regions? Well, sure. And, and early on, it was, it was really, as I, as I discussed, it, it was, um, you know, efforts to try to make sure that we could access the appropriate um, equipment um, and personal protective um, uh personal protective equipment and and whatever whatever sort of adaptations that needed to be made it was just you know assisting in procuring some of those types of of things to to be able to address the challenges so early on those were some of the things that that we were very involved in in trying to identify sources for those types of materials um and and again a lot of a lot of effort was done to you know make sure we were aware of what were the the protocols and the recommendations from the Centers for Disease, uh, from the CDC, from the federal level. So, um, you know, information sharing and and also just trying to help 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 our our farm workers um, address those those needs for um, for sanitizer and and wash stations and personal protective equipment. So, really, just to try to to meet those immediate challenges right away have have been happening since the beginning and, and continue. So, I know a lot of us, Telemann Corporation, a lot of agencies that we interact with, Michigan Farm Bureau, growers, that once the pandemic really hit us with all of its consequences, there were all of those immediate needs and and issues that needed to be addressed and what we have been trying to do which i'm sure michigan farm bureau has been doing the same thing is still making sure that we have a big picture perspective of where do we need to get to in terms of ensuring safety and ensuring that 
our workforce and everyone in our local communities are going to be safe. So how do you balance out those immediate needs versus the long-term vision of Michigan Farm Bureau goals and objectives? Well, it's interesting. I think we all have the same objective and that is to, you know, we, we have um, an agriculture system nationwide that, you know, that needs to be um, operational. It needs to provide for, you know, the needs of, of the citizens for, for a safe and abundant food supply. You know, you, when you look at what happened early in the pandemic with shortages that were happening in stores on a variety of different products, that was, that was unnerving to a lot of people because we've not seen that in this country in a long time. And, and that has a lot to do with, with adaptations and, and being able to address all of those challenges. So we have, we have a lot of, a lot of things we could, we could certainly, um, you know, we can continue to, to look at ways to, to be safe. And we, and we do that. We're looking at adaptations and we talk about that all the time. Um, You know, in the end, we want to make sure, that we're able to provide a safe and abundant food supply. And we wanna do it in a way that is safe for, for everyone involved in that process. And, you know, we have, we have a responsibility to, um, you know, to you know, the citizens of the country and to our workers to do that in a safe way. And we, and we wanna make sure we do that. And, and, you know, one of the challenges that we've had is, is trying to demonstrate, you know, to those who are concerned about about coming to work is that we're doing everything we can to provide for their safety. And so, um, you know, our workers will vote with their feet if they don't feel safe, if they, they don't feel like they're able to to be, um, you know, in an environment where, you know, they have their their concerns are being taken care of. And so we're, we're certainly trying to balance that and make sure that we address those, because in the end, um, a worker will, will make a decision on their own whether or not they're willing to you know, to come to work and participate in that. And so we have to do that. We have to provide that, that environment that makes them feel safe so that they will come. And, and if, we, if we don't accomplish that, then what will happen is that the domino effect will happen where we won't have, have food that's, that's able to be provided in stores. We'll see shortages and, and um, the whole food system, you know, is disrupted. So, you know, it really begins and ends with, with worker safety and making sure that we're addressing those concerns. So we're, we're all about that. Well, Rob, that's, that's a good segue into the next question that I have, which is the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, they recently issued a public health order that requires the testing of egg and food processing employees in order to protect their safety. And there has been, um, what has been the response of Michigan Farm Bureau to that particular public health order? Well, when the, when the public health order was first issued, um, what we heard from our farmers and from workers alike was uh, not a concern about you know, addressing health. It was the fact that the way it was written, um, it targeted um, workers in certain segments of agriculture. And those certain segments of agriculture also um, happened to be very highly um, concentrated at, uh, from the Latino community. And, and that fact in and of itself, and the fact that really no other similarly situated worker um, in the state would be subject to a situation where unless they submit to a mandatory test, not allowed to work and they're not allowed to earn an income through that job as a part of that. 
And that fact in and of itself was what drove the concerns and, and ultimately um, some plaintiffs, some farms and workers um, challenging the order in court on the basis of the fact that it singles out and segments um, workers in the Latino community by virtue of the fact of which, which industries it targets and says that those workers have to be tested in order to work. Um, if you look at other segments, even in many areas of the healthcare system, um, they undergo screening in order to come to work, but they don't have to have an active test in order to be able to work. And that was something that by singling out the agriculture workers the way the order did and the way it focused on the Latino community, and you only need to look at, the, at many of the comments that were made by the Department of Health and Human Services to understand that it was their goal to focus on the That was a concern because that has constitutional implications. Um, the, uh, you know, our farmers were, were concerned that workers, um, they, weren't they weren't happy about having to be tested. They indicated to them that, that they were they were willing to to leave and go find work in other states or other places where mandatory testing wasn't required. Um, it was that serious. And so from our farmer standpoint, they're concerned about the rights of their workers. But, yeah, they're also concerned about the fact that if those workers decide to pick up and move somewhere else, then we have a shortage of workers. And again, the disruption of the food supply is is also um, you know out there as well. So. That was the concern about the order was the way it targeted certain segment segments um, of the Latino community. And, and we just uh, we just think that that has constitutional problems. And, um, you know, look, the, the state certainly has the right to address um, the pandemic and, and we fully support that. But we just believe that it's wrong to subject one racial class of people to a different set of rules than it applies to others. OK, so I'm going to play play devil's advocate just for a moment here. And I think the perspective that I hear or that I'm aware of is, is we all know that the pandemic has affected brown and black people um, significantly more than the white population. We know that our farm workers who are an essential workforce, oftentimes they are living in crowded working conditions. Some of the work that they are doing, some of the farm work, it is hard to maintain the social distancing guidelines. A lot of our families, arrive and they migrate from Texas and Florida, which have been recent pandemic. And I think the bigger issue is a lot of our farm workers are undocumented workers. So I think there's a real fear and a real concern that they don't want to be identified for that very reason. And then for them too, this is their only way to support their family, that they don't have access to unemployment insurance or other types of benefits. So I can understand why they would be uncomfortable or fearful about taking the test, but it really isn't coming from a place of really ensuring the safety and the well-being of our farm workers. How would you respond to that, that scenario that I just posed to you? Well, my response would be that what we heard from our members and what we heard from workers loud and clear. And, and if you look at the, the documents in the court filing, there were hundreds of signatures that were received from agricultural workers um, that supported the challenge to this order. Um, I think that demonstrates that this effort isn't about um, anything other than the rights of the workers. Um, you know, farm workers came forward very early uh, when this order was issued 
and they shared that they felt it discriminated against them and made them feel like they were, you know, uh, substandard in some way and that they weren't going to stand for mandatory testing. So, you know, we're aware of, of hundreds of workers who have already left their jobs uh, rather than be forced into this discriminatory testing. So you don't have to take my word for it. I think that the workers themselves have made it clear that they believe that this unfairly targets them based on their racial background and they're making they're making their voice known by leaving the workplace where mandatory testing is required rather than um, rather than stay. So they're making the decisions themselves. So that in of itself, in our view, demonstrates that this is this is about the rights of the workers and how they feel about being singled out. Okay. So we're into the end, we're almost at the end of August of this year, and what do you foresee as some of the long-term consequences of the pandemic and where we find ourselves in the current harvest season? Well, we're, we're, we're certainly not, we're certainly concerned about, uh, about some of the trends that we're seeing. Again, this, this emergency order, um, we're already seeing circumstances where workers are leaving and how, how the farms and how the processors are going to adapt to that is going to be um, a challenge because you're late in the season and finding, finding workers to replace those who, who walk away is going to be very difficult. You know, Michigan, Michigan has, has had a shortage of farm workers uh, for years and certainly Everything that's going on with the COVID pandemic has has exacerbated some of those challenges this year. So um, we have uh, we have done everything we can to adapt and, and try to implement safety protocols to encourage you know workers to come and and uh, and and do those critical jobs and 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 those valued workers that return every year are really critical to our food supply. So we're we're hopefully you know. Hopefully we'll be able to see through this the end of the season. I don't think we know how that's going to happen yet. We're coming into, you know, again, those fall harvest seasons with apples and others and, and really kind of in the middle of, of the most the busiest activity right now. So um, so to have workers um, walk away out of concern, out of having to take a mandatory test um, isn't going to help that situation. But I think we're, we're, we're hopeful that we can, that we can you know, get through the end of this season and, and regroup and you know, focus on how we, how we you know, farmers are the eternal optimists and, and they'll do their best to regroup and, and try and come back next year. But I just don't think we're gonna know at this point you know, how some of these things are, are gonna play out. And it, and it has been a very challenging year for everyone, um, but um, we're, um, you know, we're doing our best to try and, and provide those uh, provide those workers with with everything they need to to feel safe and come to work and and keep our food supply right. So the final question I have for you um, has to do with some of the monies that have been provided to farmers through the United States Department of Agriculture. And just briefly going back to the public health order, do you think if there were monies that were allocated to farm workers for maybe the allowance of paid sick leave or personal pr protective equipment or other types of support, do you feel like that would have maybe prevented this scenario from rising up the way that it has? I'm sorry, can you ask that question again? I just want to make sure I understand. Sure. So it is my understanding that through that 
some our Michigan growers have received monies and some funding through the United States Department of Agriculture, but there has been no money through Department of Agriculture, to my understanding, that were allocated directly to the benefit of our farm workers. And examples would be personal protective equipment or maybe even some monies that would be available for paid sick leave. And I'm wondering if that was incorporated or some of those types of assistance were provided from a federal level, that that would have mitigated the situation we find ourselves in with this public health order. Well, I don't think that the I don't think the two are really related. The, okay. the, the concern over the public health order is the fact that it un, we believe it unfairly um, singles out Latino workers and forces them to get a test in order to be able to come to work and earn a paycheck. And we just don't think that the fact that it, it is unique to to that group of of, of racially um, uh, segmented individuals um, and and really doesn't there's no similarly situated worker out there that has to, has to undergo a test in order to be able to work. We think that that has, has constitutional challenges in and of itself. So I don't see the two as being related. I think that we're really, the, the focus is really the fact that, um, you know, this is, this is something that segments out one individual group of people and forces them to do something, whether they want to or not, in order to be able to come to work. Well, Rob, I want to thank you for joining me today on A Passion to Serve. And don't be surprised if I reach out to you again in sometime in the near future to provide and to receive some further updates. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Don. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to A Passion to Serve. A Passion to Serve listeners are now able to leave a voicemail message and offer your input about the episode or episodes you've been listening to. Please use the link provided to leave your message, and I will include your comments during an upcoming episode. If you like the show, remember to please leave a rating or a review. It really helps. Until next time.